Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Well, today uh, we're going to be kicking off our uh, relationship series, and we're excited that all of you are here today and taking part of this Super Bowl Sunday and just having some fun, and uh, this is going to be a great series. Uh, this is always probably, uh, when we do a relationship series, one of the ones that we get the most comments and feedback on because hopefully it'll be most relevant to your life, and today it doesn't matter if you're married, if you're single, you're looking for someone, found someone, divorced, whatever it may be. Uh, how many of you know God isn't concerned about where you've been, he's concerned about where you're going, right? And so I want to preface this whole series by saying we're going to talk about some things that maybe you always haven't been great at, maybe you haven't nailed, and maybe you haven't, you know, succeeded in the areas of relationships in your life, and that's, that's okay. And so it's from this day forward where we're going to pursue God and what he has to say about those things in our life. And so As we get into this series, today is going to be very foundational. I'm actually going to share with you a love story from the Bible. And this is a little bit different for me. Typically, uh, my style of preaching, I like to just tell you uh, this kind of main idea of what God wants to do in your life and then explain to you why this idea is so important and then give you practical steps to kind of see that idea come to life in your life. And today, the practical kind of take-home side of this message is a very small portion at the very end. And so today, if you would bear with me, I'm going to tell you one of the craziest love stories from Scripture that you've ever heard. How many of you uh, around the holidays have to watch Hallmark movies like me? Anybody? How many of you all right, even if you're a man, or how many of you actually are like, dude, as soon as Hallmark rolls out their holiday movie schedule, I'm all in. The DVR is loaded up, right? Even last night, you know, Je- I was still going over my message. It was late. We got the kids in bed, and my wife is watching one of these Hallmark movies, you know? And they are just the cheesiest movies you will ever watch in your life. Some of the worst acting you will ever see is done on the Hallmark Channel. Some of the most predictable plots in the world are on the Hallmark Channel, right? And so Jess hates watching these movies with me. I do it because I love her, okay? But she hates watching them with me because you know what I do? I just predict everything. I'm like, you know, this girl randomly meets this guy when her car breaks down. I'm like, oh, there's the guy, you know? Oh, there's the, there's the conflict, you know, and this is what's going to happen. There's going to be this huge conflict, and then at the very end, they're going to make up and live happily ever after. It's Hallmark movie. So predictable, so cheesy. But today, I'm going to share with you a kind of love story that did not make the holiday movie lineup. If any show that this love story would have been on, it would have been on Jerry Springer, Okay. And it is found in Scripture. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the author. His name's Hosea. He wrote a book of the Bible. He was a minor prophet of God, and he was sent to send messages and give messages to God's people. His name actually means salvation. And he was preaching in the southern kingdom of Judah. 
And so Hosea was kind of put into service to try to get Israel to repent and to turn their hearts back to God. And when I say Israel, we mean God's people Israel, the group of people that were following after God. And many times throughout the Old Testament, we see these people where God will bless them and things will be going great for them. And they turn away from God and they begin to worship the stuff that they have. They begin to worship false idols. And so God always sends these messengers warning his people, look, if you keep going down this road, it's going to lead to destruction. So turn back to me, keep worshiping me, and I will bless you. So that was kind of the message of Hosea to God's people. And he emphasized the loving kindness of God and how Israel needed to turn their hearts back to God and that God was disappointed that they had turned away from him, but that he was drawing them back to him. So we have this story in the book of Hosea, and it's about Hosea and his wife, Gomer. Yeah, that was her name. It was Gomer, you know. If anything, Hosea should have known right from there, you know, like this probably isn't going to be a good thing, you know. But hey, look, let's give her some credit. It wasn't her fault, you know. We don't name ourselves. Our parents do that. And so we blame them. So let's, let's all blame Gomer's parents for naming their daughter Gomer. But he, he marries this woman. And there's some themes in this story that I want us to really take home today that are really going to illustrate for you and me, not just love for one another, but the love that God has for us. So in Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, it says this. It says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, again, he was a prophet. God would speak to him. He would go to the people and speak on God's behalf. He tells Hosea to do this. Go and marry a prostitute. Wait a second. God told his pastor, right, Preacher, go marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer and she became pregnant and they had a son. So God intended to use this prophet's relationship as an object lesson of his own relationship with his unfaithful people. God directed him to take her as his wife so that Gomer became the unlikely wife of this up-and-coming young preacher. They have three children. And scripture's pretty clear that at least one of them, if not two of them, were conceived by somebody else. That Hosea knew, that's not my kid. You know, like if Hosea had black hair, and his wife had brown hair, and the baby had red hair, right? He knew, like, this is not one of my own. And that's what he says. This is not my kid. So she's unfaithful to him. So not only is she unfaithful, and they have three kids, then she abandons him and goes back to her life of prostitution. Now let's just picture this for a second. Let's put ourselves in Hosea's shoes. He's a young pastor right? God tells him clearly. He heard from God, go marry a prostitute. For me right there, I don't know if that would have been good for my church planning strategy, okay? But he obeys. He follows God. So he literally kind of rescues this woman. Imagine she has a terrible life of prostitution, selling herself to make a living. Here comes Hosea, this godly man, stable man, The man that all of you single ladies are praying for, right? Let's just say he was really good looking, stable, good job, you know, all those good things. 
he pulls her out of that, brings her into his home, commits to her as husband and wife. And yet, they have three kids, not even some of his, and she abandons him by himself with three kids. So we find this theme that Gomer had many mistakes. She made many mistakes before she met Hosea, after she met Hosea. Everyone in town, again, I'm telling you this love story today, everyone in town knew about Gomer's affairs. And then the entire second chapter of the book Hosea, his prophecy describes God's relationship with unfaithful Israel. It's difficult to to separate the two, and it's easy to see that, that this grows out of Hosea's relationship with Gomer. So he's describing to Israel how they've been unfaithful. He explains how he pleaded with Gomer to stay home. Baby, just stay. Don't go back to that. I love you. This is where you're safe. This is where you should be. He threatened to disinherit her. If you go, if you go, there's going to be consequences to pay. But she still ran off with other lovers. They promised to lavish her with material things. They promised her fulfillment. And on occasion, she would come back to Hosea. They would try to reconnect, but then she would go back and seek other companions in sin. He would forgive her. She would hurt him again. Her repentance would be very short-lived, and she would be off again with another man. So let's just pause here for a second. If Hosea was my boy, if he was my friend, be like, look, Hosea, Dude, you listen to God, props, man. Fist bump it. Hey, great, great job. But listen, Gomer, she's crazy. Bro, what are you doing? Why do you keep letting her do this to you? Why do you keep letting her back into your house? Why are you taking care of children that aren't even yours? What are you doing, right? We would look at him and be like, He's got problems. You're better off just to cut your ties and let her go. Isn't that what you would do? Isn't that what you would say? But before we cast judgment on him, let's take a closer look at his character in this story. So we have Gomer and her many mistakes. Then we have Hosea and his lasting love. In this story, we cannot escape this message of undying love that Hosea had. I mean, he could sing the Lionel Richie song, you know what I mean? Unending love. He loved this woman. Hosea wanted to see Gomer restored to the relationship that they had before. He wanted to see her restored as his wife. And he believed that God was great enough to do it. That God could perform a miracle in her life. That God could perform a miracle in their relationship. Then one day, while Gomer's away, she was out. The gossip runs through town. It gets back to Gomer that her lover had dumped her. So she had no way of providing for herself. And so in the story, she sells herself back into slavery. She had hit rock bottom. So certainly now, Hosea would say, it's it. Forget about it. You know what? She deserved it. She's just reaping the consequences of her own actions. I tried, I pleaded, I did everything I could, and yet she still ended up here. But in his heart, he just said no. It's a crazy love story. 
He could not give up on her. Then God speaks to him. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. He said, then the Lord said to me, go and get your wife again. Key word there again. It means he had already gone to get her before. That he had every reason to give up on her. But God says, go and get her again. Bring her back to you and love her, even though she loves adultery. Love her despite the fact that she doesn't love you, that she loves adultery and sin more than she loves you. He says, love her anyway. For the Lord still loves Israel, his people, even though the people have turned to other gods, offering their choice gifts. So it says, so I went and I bought her for 15 pieces of silver and about five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. So Hosea begins the search. God tells him, go find her. He doesn't know where she's at. He's just heard through the grapevine that she's sold herself into slavery. And so this God-given love drives him, this divine love that bears all things, that believes all things, that hopes in all things, that endures in all things, a love that never gives up, a love that we find described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And finally, after all of this searching, he finds her, this pathetic, sick, dirty prostitute of a woman who was chained to an auction block in a filthy slave market. She was a repulsive shadow of the woman that she once was. We wonder now how anybody could love her at this state. And this prophetic messenger of God, he didn't belong in this place. He didn't belong in this back alley searching for his wife. It was bigger than him. He was better than that. But Hosea sees his wife. He doesn't see a prostitute. He sees the woman that he loves. And he begins to untie her from this block. But then the owner comes over. He says, wait a second, what are you doing? He looks at him, he says, well, this is my wife. I'm taking my wife. He said, I don't care who you think she is. She belongs to me. If you want her, you're gonna have to buy her. And it shows in scripture that she was being sold for half the price of a normal slave. That's how much disgrace she had. That's how much worth the world saw in her. And Hosea says, but, but, but she's, she's my wife. I mean, I have to, and he goes, all right, how much is she? How much is it? The guy tells him the price, begins to pull out his money. He begins to pay for her. How much? He bought her back. Can you imagine that? It's hard for me. As I was preparing this week, I just kept going, this is crazy. This story is unreal. Like Hosea, like, can you imagine having to buy back your wife? It was his wife. He rescued her out of prostitution in the first place. He's taking care of her kids. She blows everything. She's on an auction block. And here he comes to the the nastiest part of town and has to buy back his own wife. Hosea paid for what was already his, for what he already owned. This man was crazy. He had a crazy love for this woman. But 
God's love is crazy like that. God's love doesn't make sense. God's love is hard to comprehend. And what we have to realize is that this was a true story. This wasn't a parable that Jesus made up. This was a life that Hosea lived out. But God did it on purpose. God used this to illustrate the relationship that he was having with Israel, but it was prophetic beyond that. It was the relationship that God had with you and me. And so Hosea is a picture of God. And we are Gomer. That's right. Look at your neighbor and say, you're Gomer. You are a Gomer. Sounds like an insult. So the message of Hosea is clear throughout the entire Bible. It's clearly the message of the New Testament. It's a message of God's love for an undeserving man. It's a message of God's love for an undeserving woman. Psalm 24.1 says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You see, mankind is a unique possession of the creator God. We are his creation, made in his image to have relationship with him. You belong to God. I belong to God. And over 2,000 years ago, God paid for what he already possessed. He sent his son to purchase back what he already owned. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. He says, for you know that it is not with perishable things as silver or gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. So God purchased back what was already his. Jesus was willing to pay the price, not with silver or gold, but with his something much more valuable, his blood for you and me. And as Hosea searched for his wife, Jesus came searching for the salvation of humanity. And when he found us, we weren't so nice and neat either. We didn't have it all together. In fact, we were chained up too, in a different way. We were chained to our own sins. We were selfish in our own ways. I know when God found me, even as a teenager, that I was living for me, that I was living to please myself, that I did not care about God, that I did not care about what he wanted for me. And yet when I extended my dirty hand to him, my sin up to him, and when I surrendered that to him, Jesus accepted me. And like Hosea, our gracious God looked at humanity And saw that there was a price that needed to be paid. And he said, how much? How much is it going to cost me? Realizing that it was going to need to be paid for with the blood of his son. So in order to understand this story, we need to understand the love of God. The crazy love of God. It's two things that I believe that sums up God's love for us. It's sacrificial and it's unconditional. Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, when we were utterly helpless, sounds like Gomer to me. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came 
just at the right time, just before we were about to be sold into slavery, just before our lives were going to go down a path of disaster, God came and Jesus died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person. Most husbands would be willing to go after their wife who deserved their love still. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great, crazy love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. While we were still messed up and jacked up and chained up, full of sin, full of pride, full of selfishness, Jesus died for you and me, paid the price bought us back to the creator God. John ten eighteen says, Jesus said this, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down voluntarily. He laid it down. Jesus had the power. In fact, when, Jesus did not want to die for you or me. He didn't want to. It's not what he wanted to do. You go, wait a second, Kyle. I don't know, man. I'm, I don't know if that lines up with theology here. What did Jesus do the night before he was about to die? He was in the garden. He was praying. It said the stress and the anxiety about the crucifixion, because he knew exactly what he was going to have to go through, that it was so heavy on him that he began to sweat blood. And he begged God. He said, God, if there's any other way, if there's any way at all that we can go about this, if there's any other way that we can pay the price for humanity, God, let's figure it out. And then he goes, but God, not my will. Your will be done. And God knew the price that Jesus was going to have to pay. He knew what he was going to have to put his son through. But he did it because it was the only way that the creator could be reunited, redeemed with his creation. That we could have relationship again with God. His love was sacrificial. His love was unconditional which means it's not subject to any conditions. You see, our love is not that way. We cannot love unconditionally the way that God loves us. Got a good story. I was thinking about unconditional love this week. It took me back to middle school. And uh, for the sake of, I have a lot of friends that I went to school with in this room. I will not mention the girl's name. She was the love of my life. We were in eighth grade. We had a strong Commitment going, it was at least like four or five months we had. Dude, that's like four or five years in eighth grade, okay? Don't look at me like that. And had our routine down. I remember getting out of class. I remember going to her locker like I always did. But she wasn't there that day. Her friend was standing there. She says, Kyle, I really hate to be the one to give this to you, but she wanted you to have this. This little note folded up in the shape of one of those footballs that you would slide across the table. And I knew something was different. I knew something wasn't right. So I hurried to my next class. It's math class. I didn't ever pay attention anyway. So I began to open this note. She begins to t- tell me that she doesn't love me anymore. And that she's breaking up with me for another man, or boy, I should say. And my heart was broken for the first time. 
her feelings came and went very quickly. Her love was based on a lot of conditions. Could have been the fact that I didn't make the basketball team that year. I'm not sure. She ended up dating one of my good friends. It was tragic, terrible. You see, even at middle school and even now, I have to make sure, I have to be intentional when I love my wife that I love her regardless of the conditions. And it's hard. And I'm not always perfect at it. And neither are you or I. C.S. Lewis said, though our feelings come and go, because that's what happens. He says, God's love for us does not. So it's hard for us in our human minds to try to understand this unconditional love of God. That without condition, so while you were still yet a sinner, while you had turned your back on God, while you were disobedient to him, all the mistakes that you made, as they piled up, that God saw you, that he knew you, that he sent Jesus while we were still undeserving to die, not just to come and and try to smooth things out. There had to be a price that needed to be paid. Hosea had to buy his wife back. God had to buy his people back. And God's love is without condition. Regardless of how you walked in here this morning, regardless of what baggage you have, regardless of what sin you're currently entangled in, that God sees you how Hosea saw Gomer, that his love is undying, that it'll never change, that he'll never give up on you, that he'll continually, no matter how many times you come home and then you leave again and you come home and you leave again and you keep going back to this world that's been chewing you up and spitting you out, And everyone else can look at God and go, God, you're insane. Give up on them. What are you doing? Don't you see they're just using you? And then they go back to the world and they go back to a life of sin. Then they come back to you when they need you. You're just a crutch for them. The world could look at God and from an outsider's perspective go, God, you're crazy to stay with them. But God goes, no, I'll keep pursuing. I'll keep searching. Until there is no hope left. I'll always pursue relationship. Romans 8, 38 through 39, the apostle Paul said that he was convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. And nothing means nothing. There's no thing, there's no one, there's nothing that you could do that could ever change the way that God cares about you. He says, neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There's no power in the sky or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That would have been a boomstick moment if you still had them out, but don't don't worry about it. Nothing means nothing. That God's love will pursue you to the depth of your despair, to the sickest place of your sin. That God will come and rescue you from bondage, just like Hosea did for Gomer. And Jesus voluntarily, willingly paid the price for you. He bought you back. Though it cost him everything, he bought you back. He bought me back. That is crazy love. That is an insane love. Because I know what I've done to God. 
and I know the mistakes that I've made. And if my sins were put on display like Gomer's were, I would be embarrassed. I would hide from God. But yet, he pursued me. And he died for me. Since we've compiled, what Paul said in Romans 3, 23 through 24, he said, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, that's me, and that we were utterly incapable of living the glorious lives that God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by the means of Jesus Christ. Can you see Hosea and Gomer's story in that passage? Can you see it? That while we were utterly helpless, stacking up a record of sin, incapable of living the life that God had for us, living up to his standard, that God chose to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And it was out of sheer generosity that he put us in right standing with him again, which means he views us differently. That God doesn't view you through the lens of your sin. He views you through the lens of the sacrifice of his son. So although me and you, we see our sin, and others see our sin, God doesn't even see it. He chooses to look past it to see the heart of you and me, just like Hosea looked past the sins of his wife and restored her into right relationship as his bride. That's what he did. That's what Jesus did for us. And as the band comes and we close out, there's one final theme to this story. You see, we talked about Gomer. We talked about Hosea. Now we got to talk about you and me for a minute. This is the small take home. This is the small personal application today. And there's a demanding decision that you and I face when it comes to this crazy love. You see, Hosea buys his wife back. He brings her home, restores her to relationship as wife, and Hosea 3.3 says this. Then Hosea said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. And that's where scripture leaves this story. It'd be like your Hallmark movie cutting out right at the end before the conflict is resolved and the guy that she met at the very beginning who helped her change her tire asked her to marry him. The story ends right here. He looks at his wife. He goes, buys her back, brings her home, and he goes, here's the deal. I'm restoring you to relationship. You can live here again. Me and you, we're going to make this work. But you can't do that what you did anymore. It's over. It's done. And that's where it ends. Hosea gives her grace. And he gives her truth. You got to stop what you're doing. I'm offering you grace, but you need to stop. And then he gives her a choice. What did she do? We don't know. What would you do if some of that grace was extended to you? If someone loved you that much, what would you do? You see, we'd like to think 
that when someone experiences that kind of love, when someone experiences that kind of forgiveness, that they would choose to stay. They would stay home. But they would stay in relationship. They wouldn't go back to that life that was going to leave them chained up to some auction block in some alley. They would stay with the one who loved them more than anyone could ever love anyone. You see, God gives us grace. He accepts you as you are. He doesn't care about your past. He just cares about your future. The Bible says he's faithful to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. And not only does he forget, forgive you, he forgets about it. He'll never hold it against you again. He'll never bring it back up. Go remember what you used to do? Now don't do that again. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and he was full of truth. And the truth part of grace is that I accept you just as you are. But, you, but there's a better way for you, Gomer. Why do you keep selling yourself to these men? Why do you keep going back to this life? As Hosea said, there's a better way. I want you to stay home. And that's what God says to you and me. I give you grace. You can come home just as you are. But the truth is, is that I have a better way for you. Don't go back to that lifestyle that you had before. Don't go back to that sin that will enslave you. That will leave you tied up somewhere alone by yourself. Don't go back. God has a better way for you and me. And then he gives us a choice. Just like Hosea gave Gomer a choice. And we're all faced with the same decision that Gomer faced. Will you choose to come home? Will you choose to stay in relationship with your heavenly father? With the one who came for you. Who went searching in all the dark places of your sin. To find you to extend grace to you and mercy and love with an undying relentless pursuit we would look at Gomer and say girl stay don't leave anymore that's what we would tell her and today what would you do would you choose to live in his love And that's the the choice we all face. That's the demanding decision when confronted with the grace of God, where you go, God, wait a second. You will take me back? You will love me regardless of what I've done? Yes, but I got a better way for you. And that's what we have to believe. That's what we have to accept, that God's way is better. So today, as we close... Vanessa is going to sing the song real quick that just talks about the love of God. Today, I want you to make it personal to you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to remain seated. And as they sing these lyrics, I want you to think about how God loves you. How he died for you. Make it personal. Think about your mistakes. Think about your past. And they go, you still love me? You'll still forgive me. You'll still take me back. He created you. He knows you. And he loves you. So today, as we close out, you just turn your heart towards God. Receive his grace. 
receive his truth, receive his love.